tell when it goes live. Oh, I think we're live. I'm with what? the wolf of, not the wolf of Wall Street, but the wolf of Paul T PT. It's <laughs> JP from Rockstar Fitness. JP, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you. The beard is looking spectacular. The last time oh. I was on, it wasn't quite so... Uh... You didn't have a beard, did you? I think I had a little, look up, maybe like a, a two or a three week beard. This is, this is, how long, this is, this how is long have you been growing that? How long have you been growing that monster for? Five months. It's been trimmed four times, four, four, four or five times. It's good. Okay, yeah. I need to, yeah, need to line up a bit better. It's, it, it grows stupidly fast. So, I mean, you know this, right? I mean, you got, uh, one minute I could be clean shaved and, and literally three, within three weeks, I've got what looks like a full beard. It's insane. Uh, yeah. So I will be taking on beard coaching clients in the future. <laughs> you need to, we need to get you on that fucking, uh, it's a moustache fucking competition, isn't there? Or beard competition. And you know, people, people from all over, all corners of the globe coming on. Oh, well, I know the, 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 the Germans do it, right? And they go really, like, they have these big, like, lacquered, like, moustaches. Have you ever seen yeah, that? Yeah, 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 that like, quite, yeah. That would be quite yeah is the plan just keep growing it forever then or um i'm gonna grow it until i get bored of it and then once i get bored of it it'll be gone like i right. i go through i go through phases like this i grew my hair down to like it was long like long as my shoulders um and then one day i just got bored and shaved it off like literally shaved it off so um, would you would you technically be, be allowed to get on stage and compete with a beard like that yeah yeah, yeah. oh you can I, I, yeah i think it's kind of um because it's because beards are a little bit more popular these days, it's 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 not really frowned upon. But previously, I'm I'm pretty sure that it kind of got you, uh, especially at the pro level. You see, you you won't see many pro bodybuilders that have got beards. But never, I don't think I've ever seen anyone with any any real body hair. Uh, yeah, you, especially you, facial hair. Yeah, you you maybe see one or two this this year's Olympia, but other than that. No, you don't see many, and it's even in amateur contests. It's not you know most most guys are clean shaved. Um, you get the occasional one. I I've always done it without with clean shaved, but this this next time I get on stage, I'm going to do it with just a big fucking handlebar mustache. Please do, please do. <laughs> do That'll be next May, will it? We're going to hold. That'll be May, yeah, May. Right about May, Mayish, yeah. So for guys that haven't seen the first uh, episode that you came on, um. In, in a nutshell, who are you? What do you do? Um, I am JP of Rockstar Fitness. Uh, I am the body transformer. I take people that are um, professionals who live a busy lifestyle, who um, probably have all the excuses in the world for why they're not in shape, and I get them in shape. I, uh, I help them to take back control of their bodies so that they can... Uh, maintain half decent body composition um for the majority of the year and whenever they need to look absolutely fucking phenomenal naked simple and the big I, I remember you telling me the, the thing that kind of sold me well it didn't sell me because i'd already been sold on kind of photos on your website of the transformations yeah. um but you were telling me about this golden ratio or something or other that women yeah find that's right that's right the, the, what the is that again just to remind them what was it? The, the the waist to shoulder ratio. It's um, yeah. one to one point six one eight. Um, it, that is obviously there's a little bit of wiggle room on that. Like you can be a little bit under, a little bit over. 
but that's it's pretty much the, the you know the the sort of the golden ratio um and you find it everywhere like like women have it as well right it's waist to hip ratio but um yeah and men it's it's waist to shoulders so you want to be wider up top and narrow down towards your waistline right and there's it's scientifically proven that women find that ratio more attractive yes yeah there have been there have been many sort of sexual behavior studies done on it um not just women like like even even like men are going to be more impressed and, and find it more imposing and you're likely to to get on better in life just simply by kind of aiming to either hit that ratio or approximate it by creating the illusion of of having hit it so right um you know job interviews things like that you know meetings negotiation contract negotiations anything like that where you walk in and you are a bit sharper a bit more um sort of confident because of the fact that you're in shape and you have that kind of that setup of ratios people tend to pay more attention to you so so it's not just the women but that's obviously an important part right i mean at the end of the day everything pretty much everything we do as men um is geared towards getting laid right getting a getting a good job is about you know being an attractive prospect having that nice watch it's not because you really like nice watches is it let's be honest um the the the, the fast cars all that sort of stuff mm. most of the time you know the, the, when guys buy a ferrari they're not buying a ferrari because hey i really like ferrari uh, they're buying a ferrari because she really likes ferrari you know? <laughs> if a guy just wants a fast car he'd be in something like a like a fucking dodge hellcat right it's ugly as hell but it goes like shit off a shovel you know? so yeah everything helps right but but trying to hit that golden ratio is a, is a biggie yeah, and I think I mean I I, I kind of worked with you last year. Um, I came in for three months, kind of face to face training, and I was impressed because, yeah, basically just by ba- doing making me doing basic stuff that got me in shape. So tracking my diet on my fitness pal, um, and then having me a program that I just stuck to, and I still fucked it up about ten times. I went on yeah. about ten ten benders, um alcohol and non-alcohol related and i still was in fucking great shape so it just goes to show when you've got someone kind of providing that step-by-step plus accountability yeah. that's what gets you to where you want to go and and I, yeah it was, I'm, i mean i've been tricking myself 15 years thinking i knew what i was doing and it was it was remarkable even coming in for that first day because you had me doing exercises basically with zero weight uh yeah. like with a fucking wooden wooden plastic pipe but just with the correct form and I was kind of quivering all over the show. So it just goes show like it, it's that whole thing, isn't it? Is if you if you want to get good at something, go to an expert. It's the same with anything in life, any skill set. Yeah. Um, so that was that was impressive. But I think today, yeah, what would be cool to kind of go through is common pitfalls that people fuck up on. Right, so what, like- have we, what have we got on the old list of doom? Uh, first one is low carb only. Why do people think that's kind of the way to go? And why is that a mistake? So uh, some of this stuff's all going to link back to lazy coaching, right? It really comes down to that, right? It's people that don't want to put the time and effort into figuring out how they're supposed to, to, to coach their clients. So what they do instead is they come up with this, this what's the easiest, simplest, most basic thing we can do to reduce calorie intake, right? Right. Because uh, I mean, at the end of the day, this is what it all comes down to, right? It comes down to, to sequel calories in versus calories out. 
and it's really basic, but that's that's what it is, right? It's just energy balance. So you get a lot of these kind of coaches or fitness gurus, and they they don't have a clue how to to feed someone appropriately. So what they do is they just jump on this bandwagon of let's go low carb, right? Because if you go low carb, you cut an absolute ton of, of calories straight off the bat out of your your diet. Um, but not only that, you're going to reduce your your glycogen reserves and um, you're going to drop any kind of water weight that you're holding on to really quickly overnight. So in that first two weeks when you drop carbs, you know, you look at your your, your body weight and it's just dropping and you're like, wow, yeah, success. But that's very, very short termist and it's not, I mean, it's not a good way to approach a long-term diet. You, you shouldn't be avoiding food groups. It's fucking stupid. I like carbs. Carbs are, are phenomenal. And if you get it right, having carbs in your diet can actually speed up and help you fat loss. You know, a simple fact of the matter is you need to fuel the training you're doing. Um, the thing that happens usually with, with most of these idiots that prescribe people super low-carb diets and keep them on super low-carb diets is they also tend to go hand-in-hand hand with workouts that are high-intensity, so high-intensity intervals and things like that, right? Right. The problem is when you look at high-intensity intervals, and how it's actually fueled, it's glycolytic, which means it runs. So if you've got no carbs and you're trying to do high-intensity intervals, good luck. It's a waste of time. So right. you know, fuel your workouts, fuel your training sessions with the right appropriate foods. Um, and stop, stop fucking listening to lazy coaches that don't want to put together a decent meal plan for you or, or haven't got the the wherewithal or knowledge to actually put these things together because that's simply what it comes down to, lazy coaching. I'm right. just going to avoid doing the hard yards and tell somebody to cut out carbs because that'll, that'll cut, you know, the majority of their calories um, intake out. That's simply what it comes down to. So having carbs in your diet is a good thing. Um, having a nice, balanced, healthy diet is a good thing. Um, spending three to six months to longer of your life Avoiding entire avoiding an entire food group is, um, for want of a better word, moronic. Eat carbs, you know. They, carbs. They're not they're not bad for you. They, you know that you you hear people talk about um, diabetes risk. Yeah, you get problems with diabetes if you're chronically overeating carbs. Um, and calories in general, because it tends to go hand in hand with being kind of fat. So, yeah, um, I mean, I can you, I can back that up because I was always an advocate of just thinking we'll follow what men's health, men's health or men's fitness was saying. But you yeah. have me eating after a workout as long as you again as long as it's tracked in. You have me working. You have me eating a couple of either a couple of rice crispy square bars or a couple of Twinkies, and I still got in amazing shape. And I was like, this is ridiculous. How is this working? But it's all about management right and accounting for it so as long as you're not kind of winging it it's, it's, it's really simple right you you put in place a foundation right once the foundation is being consistently hit and even fucking up your diet like throughout the the process you're still pretty much on the foundation the whole way through because they make it as simple as possible for that to be maintained and then once you've done that you've got that foundation in place we can layer things on top that help you move forward but are also kind of enjoyable right because if, you, if you're dieting and you're not 
a competitive bodybuilder, you shouldn't be suffering and you shouldn't be thinking, feeling like your life is some sort of Spartan, a gogi where you're, you know, like somebody's got to die. Like somebody's got to die for this. Like I, I must suffer. Uh, you know, it's fucking bollocks. You should be enjoying food. You should be enjoying what you eat. I started dieting yesterday. I'm just, I'm, I'm having a little mini cut, take things back in, get myself um, a little bit more sensitive to the food that's going in. So I can push my calories back up again because I'm still in a growing phase. Um, right. You know, so yesterday I had some homemade, like two portions of homemade egg fried rice. I had a big bowl of Greek yogurt with uh, pear halves in it. I had um, a protein shake that had uh, banana and nut butter in it. Um, and then at the end of the day, I finished up. I had 75 grams of oats with 30 grams of honey. I had a banana in there. I had 40 grams of nut butter in there. And that was my pre-bed snack. That was that's what I'm having just before going to bed. Which, by the way, was at 11 p.m. So that leads in nicely to the next point. Um, you know, I enjoyed all of that food, and throughout this process of, of, of taking away calories from what, what I normally would be, um, I'll eat foods that I like. Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sort of look at life and be like, well, you know, I'm dieting now, so on day one, suffering begins. Like, you only need to suffer when you need to suffer. Mm. And if you do it beforehand, it's folly. So, there you go. And then, leading leading on to the next one, which is this, this kind of myth of no carbs after 6pm, for instance, 5pm. No carbs in the afternoon, evening, basically. Yeah, so... Uh, I thought this where did one that come from? Where did, where did that come from? Where's that been propagated from? Do you think it, it's again? This is this is coming from people that don't really understand physiology or um, how your body works. Simple as that. Your your digestive system. If you put food into it, it's going to do what it's supposed to do. It's going to digest that food and allocate that food. I think the thought process is that you know when when you're at the end of the day, you're at home and you're relaxing. You're not burning as many calories, and therefore you shouldn't eat as many calories. But that's not really how the human body works. Um, you know, you, the, the calories that you're running on today, you likely ingested yesterday or sometime before that. Um, sometimes you get a little bit, you know, you use a little bit of the fuel that's gone in today. So especially if it's something really fast digesting and really fast into your bloodstream, like um, highly brown cyclic dextrin, which, you know, if you're, you're training, might not be a bad idea to have during your training session because it's that fast to get into the system. And it's glucose, right? I mean, basically, at the end of the day, it's it's, it's just getting sugar into your blood where, where you need it. Um, so, you know, with the exception of that, most things take a bit of time to be digested, uh, metabolized, and, and then put where they need to be. Simple as that. So... This one, like I said, it's it's a complete fallacy that the host no eating after a certain time. If it if it does have any effect, any impact at all, that impact is simply that it reduces the amount of calories you eat. Simple as that, right? Because right. you stop eating at six p.m. Um, and normally you sit at home snacking, then you're going to lose some weight when you do that initially. But it's not because you stopped eating at six p.m. It's because you reduced your fucking calorie intake. Which is what most of this comes down to, right? Is is skewing activity up and 
skewing calories down. Um, and that's really simple and basic. There's a little bit more to it than that because you've got to consider some some of the health factors as well, making sure that you're covering micronutrients, um, making sure that you've got foods that are that are kind of skewed towards a little bit of anti-inflammatory um, sort of behaviours in the body. Um, but realistically, just most of it comes down to, and it sounds really, really simple and basic, but eat less, move more. And, yeah. you know, I mean, like I said, there's a bit more to it than that, but that's what the, if you looked at the, 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 the sort of biggest bang for buck aspect of getting in shape and what people do, it's move more, eat less, simple. So. Makes sense. We've got a question here from Vishal. Stuck in skinny fat phase, cut or bulk? Um, if you skinny fat, uh, I mean, this is, so this, is a, this is a fun one, right? So if you're genuinely skinny fat, like genuinely skinny fat, then what to put on muscle? Simple as that. Uh, going to a phase where you are just above maintenance calories by about 500 cows, um, make sure you've got plenty of protein going in. Make sure there's a decent amount of carbs going in um, around your training window. And then train like an animal. Like, just absolutely train like an animal. Put on some muscle. Um, and do that for six months and see what sort of difference it makes. Okay? Um, but the caveat to that is a lot of guys that think they're skinny fat are actually are actually not skinny fat. They're just, uh, they're just not, not hyper-muscular kind of athletes. Um, the normal guys and so if you're a normal guy and you think you're skinny fat um, ask your friends if they think you're skinny <laughs> if you say if you say no look at your arms and legs if they're if they're a little spindly you know um, like uh, stick my arms and legs then you're probably skinny fat if they're not then you probably need to just think about going through a diet phase um, We'd need to have a look at you, Vishal, to give you a real honest answer about what you should do right now. I'd have to, to kind of assess you a little bit to give you even a even a, a sort of a, a short version of this. But yeah, if you're genuinely skinny fat, train like an animal um, and put your calories up to about 500 calories above maintenance. The best like thing to do, obviously, with all this stuff, we covered it last time, didn't we, is just get in touch with JP because he'll just have a chat with you on the phone. Yeah, just um, go to our website. There's a there's a WhatsApp button. Click the WhatsApp button. I'm happy to answer questions. So just go through it. I'm yeah, that's the best way because it's all in. I think that's the point, isn't it? It's not cookie cutter. It's all individual tailored to the guy, uh, depending on like the exercises he can do, depending on his mobility, depending on his particular circumstances. It's not one size fits all. So no. if any guys are looking to to get in shape, just get in touch with you. Obviously, you do it for free as the consultation. So. Yeah, so consultations are free. You can you can contact me and uh, we can go through a consultation, discuss what I do, what you need, what you what you're looking to try and achieve, and then figure out how we actually just marry the two together. And James has got a really really good point there about the cookie cutter thing. I, I don't do that. There's no there's none of that. Um, the reason for that is um, something I've been saying for years, which is that if you have a cookie cutter plan, it's like paid by numbers, and paid by numbers will get you a pretty picture but it doesn't get you a fucking masterpiece. A masterpiece comes from a bespoke approach, from, from being a good enough a coach to intuitively adjust where required. Um, and that's what I like to think I do. So that's what I'm always aiming for. So no, there's no, there's no cookie cut. Um, 
Well, I said 500 calories above maintenance. Like, Michelle's going to have to figure out what his maintenance calories is in order to do that. So that's going to take him a few weeks of um, staying on calories, a set amount of calories, and seeing what happens to his body weight. Does it go up? Does it go down? So there's a little bit more to it than eat more and train like an animal. But effectively, it is going to have to be a case of eat more calories than you're eating right now and put on some muscle mass. Simple. For sure. Troy is a good mate of mine who I work with. He's got a question here for you, JP. I love running, but want to make some gains. What's your view on the idea that cardio impedes muscle growth? Uh, it can. Um, put it this way, you're not going to you're not gonna um, gain too many calories whilst... Sort of gain too many calories. You're not going to gain too much muscle whilst doing an absolute ton of cardio. Uh, so usually we're with... with with fat loss and with muscle gain, you've got two things you're looking at, right? You've got you've got um, output and input, right? So with muscle gain, you're looking to skew input of calories up, and you're looking to skew activity a little bit down, not all the way down, because you don't want to knock off any health benefits that you get from cardio. Um, but you want to skew it down. The same goes for 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 fat loss. You're going to skew calorie intake down and activity up. Um, but those things that like your your those things sort of happen within a bracket, right? So you don't just go from, say, for instance, a guy that's that's trying to put on muscle shouldn't be just you know looking at about three thousand steps a day and zero cardio, and then when he starts dieting, he's got to go up to like twenty two thousand steps a day, and that's that's just too much of a swing. You right. should still be you should still be aiming to stay within the the kind of healthy bracket. So you know. I run about the 8,000 steps a day, eight to 10,000 steps a day is going to be within the healthy bracket. Um, Cardio-wise, if you're trying to gain muscle mass, three times a week, maybe 30 minutes, shouldn't be too bad. If you're trying to lose body fat, you can start to skew that up. Um, but it, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of running, um, personally or professionally. I think that you know it's it, it tends to be one of those things that people get injured very very easily doing it because it's just impact 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 and it's you know we take in, a, in an average mile most guys will, will, will have about 400 heel strikes that's 400 steps where your heel hits the ground hard um and you've got i think that the number that i read was it's about eight times your body weight goes through your joints every time your heel strikes over over a mile that's a lot um most guys can't even unrack a bar that weighs more than eight times their body. Um, so I don't know if it's a great idea. I'm, I'm a big fan, a big proponent of either very low intensity steady state cardio, like brisk walking, or high intensity intervals, which would be more like sprinting, because those two things have less of an impact on you, on, on you in terms of. Um, yeah. Also, they're more recoverable. Um, running is what. It, because it's moderate intensity, um, tends to take quite a bit of um, your recovery ability away. It, it, it eats up a lot of that. So probably not the best thing to do if you're genuinely um, aiming to gain as much muscle as possible. Uh, but it's not gonna it's not gonna hinder you too much if you if you keep it to a moderate level. So like I said, if you, if you love running, like fucking do what you love. You know it's not. Like if, same as like somebody comes to me like I really love doing Zumba uh, as my cardio. 
You know, okay, cool. Let's, let's fucking Zumba. Um, you know, so it, if you if you really enjoy something, you're going to do it. It, it. You know, if if this is why when I when I write my programs and, and when I write my nutrition plans, I don't write optimal. I write realistic. Right. Because I know that I know that you you know you can stick to read, but optimal is probably not going to happen. So, you know, if I get you to stick to realistic for three months, you'll be in amazing shape. I can't get you to stick to optimal for more than a week, then it's a waste of time. So right, so yeah, I tend to do, um, I tend to do sprint sessions, like high intensity sprint sessions, at the end of each workout. Should I be looking to mix up um, the the forms of cardio, or, or it's okay? Yes, just to keep it yes, because from a point of view of of, of simple heart health, CV function, um, you want to have a mixture of both uh, low intensity longer duration kind of endurance cardio and that that explosive um high intensity stuff um because it will just it, it it's the it's the sort of heart rate and stroke volume that you're looking right. at and, and so you want a mixture of the of the two um to take care of those things yeah okay everybody loves the better <laughs> That old chestnut. Um, let me see what else we got on our list of doom. Ascribing magical properties to your fad diet. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's real simple. Yeah. Keto, calorie deficit. That's how it works. Yeah. Right. Paleo, calorie deficit. That's how it works. Intermittent fasting, calorie deficit. That's how it works. Um, what else is there? Atkins. Calorie deficit. You, the, you know, the carnivore diet. One that's batshit crazy. Don't do it. Um, but calorie deficit. That's why. Yeah, it works. everyone's obsessed with a carnivore diet. So, what's your views? I know we're, we're diverging slightly, but what's your views on that? Um, good way to increase your chances of colorectal cancer. <laughs> <laughs> well, as everyone's so obsessed with it, is it because Jordan Peterson basically said his daughter was it's because Jordan Peterson. His daughter's a big proponent of it. Um, is it Joe, Rogan? Joe Rogan tried it, right? And he did it for like two weeks and ended up shitting his guts out. So, oh, is he off it? He been yeah, he's, he did it. He couldn't. I don't think he could stick it. But he, I mean, he was a big proponent of keto. And look, everybody's going to have a preferred way to eat, right? Um, and that's fine. I got no issue with that. If somebody comes on board and like, look, I don't really like eating a lot of carbs because it just makes me feel bad. Um, you know, that might be a psychosomatic thing. That's probably something that you've heard and it's kind of stuck and you're going, oh, maybe it's carbs making me feel bad. But if that's the case, that's fine. If you have, you have a preference, like I don't, I don't mind um, coaching people that are vegan. I don't mind coaching people that are vegetarian. I don't mind coaching people that are, uh, that want to eat in a keto manner. Like I, if you come to me with that as you're like, I want to do this. I'm going to say, okay, because it's a personal preference, not because it's got any magical power, right? I have clients that will tell me that, that they're on, um, I've got clients that, that are doing keto, uh, and they'll tell me that, you know, keto is magical. It, it, it makes you healthier. It gives you more energy. It's like, it fucking doesn't. Like, I've done it. I spent 18 weeks eating um, in a ketogenic way, and fucking pissing on the little sticks to make sure I was in ketosis. And I'll tell you how I felt. I felt awful. Um, and, you know, the, the, the thing that really kind of kicks in with it when you've been doing it for a while is when you actually do a 
put carbs back in, how much better you feel, <laughs> like how much better you perform, how much better your physique looks because your muscles fill with glycogen. Mm. Uh, if you if you if you just run in super low carb all the time, you just you're constantly depleted, right? You're you're depleted. Your muscles are depleted. Your liver glycogen is depleted. And I'm sorry, but you know, liver glycogen is what fuels your liver. When you're when you're trying to be healthy, you shouldn't be avoiding a fuel source for a major organ that prevents you from becoming super toxic. I mean, it's what cleans things up, right? It's getting rid of the alcohol, the toxins, the the drugs, the you know, everything that goes through your system that your body doesn't need that can cause you damage. Your liver takes care of it. You should be very, very grateful for it. You should look after it. You should say thank you to it once in a while and give it a break. You know, um, and so if you're if you're just eating like no carbs all the time, your liver glycogen is not getting topped up appropriately, um, or and it's just going to be chronically low. And look, if you do lose body fat, you've you've had a whole bunch of toxins that your body stored in that fat to make it inert to keep it from having to go through your liver, and you're now mm-hmm. putting it through your liver with no fuel twice because it goes through phase one and phase two detoxification phase one makes it more toxic before it goes through and, and your liver finally gets it ready for excretion so yeah it's uh, keto not magical calorie deficit um vegan not magical you know if you lose weight it's because you're in a calorie deficit think about vegan uh, and vegetarian dieting is a lot of people that eat vegan and vegetarian don't lose weight because they're eating a lot of carbs and heavy, heavy fat foods. Um, you know, even looking at things like avocados. Avocados is a major pitfall for a lot of people because they look at it as healthy, clean food. Same as nuts. You know, people look at these things as healthy, clean foods. I and mean, you can eat as much as you want because it's healthy. You still have to concern yourself with the amount of fucking calories in it. And yeah. you know, a handful of nuts can be, you know, a small... 40 kilo a woman's handful of nuts is completely different to my handful of nuts. Now, I can get about 900 calories in there. So, and I've measured that. <laughs> How much can I hold? 900 calories worth of almonds? Yep, that'll do. Jeez. So, you know, you still have to concern yourself with calories. And because at the end of the day, when it comes to body composition, when it comes to putting on muscle or losing fat, it's calories that are the biggest, most important thing. And then the next thing on the list is going to be how you break down your macronutrients, right? And then, you know, so on and so forth. And you get further and further down that list and then you get to things like supplements and they're like tiny little, tiny little, you know, percentage changes. And... <sighs> right, all makes sense. Um, and then linked to that, I guess, is looking for shortcuts and getting your nutritional advice from YouTube without fact-checking. Ah, fucking yeah. shortcuts, yes. Um I've heard that X supplement will help me or should I do X um, training plan because I've heard it's faster to get results. I think consistency, compliance, that's it. You get a plan that you can stick to consistently and you get a meal, a nutrition plan that you can be compliant to and you adjust when required. So that's why monitoring things like your body weight, your circumference measurements, your intake of food, your daily activity, that's why these things are important because if we're being consistent with that, 
then we know that, okay, if I'm making an adjustment to one of these, it's going to take me in a certain direction. All right, but people these days, they, they, they want the, they want the fucking iPhone result, right? Instant gratification, like instant. I want to be lean tomorrow. Okay, good luck. I'm, I'm very good at this. I've been doing this for 10 years um, with clients and for longer than that myself. Uh, I still know that if I want to be in any good kind of condition, I'm looking at a minimum of eight weeks. And that's because I don't stay that far away from really good condition at any point. And if I did, you know, like to get bodybuilder lean in 2019, I dieted for 24 weeks. So like if you're, and I, and I was starting from a position where I was probably a little bit fatter than I intended to get to. Um, right. Which is why I picked the show and was like, okay, fuck it, time to diet. Um, but I was still, I was still in better shape than like, I'd say 80% of guys walking around, 90% of guys walking around. So if it still takes me 24 weeks to get in shape for a bodybuilding show, you know, it's going to take me from that point, 12 to 16 weeks to be beach lean, you know, or photo shoot ready. So it's kind of, it, it comes down to the, to, to one of the other points we've got on there, right? Stop looking for shortcuts because you're going to, you're going to, underestimated how much fat you've got to lose in order to look good. You know, most guys will come in and be like, yeah, I only need to lose about five pounds. Mate, you need to lose 20 pounds. Uh, you, you, you look like a balloon, you know. Stop kidding yourself. It's not five pounds. You're not five pounds over. You're, you're, you're 15 to 20 pounds over. Most people. Um, you know, it's... It, go and see the expert and ask the expert their opinion. They're going to take a look at you and they're going to say, right, so you're going to need to diet for X amount of time. You know, and that's that's a, that's usually a guesstimation because they're going to take a look at you, your body composition. They don't know what you're like compliance-wise. They don't know how, how much you actually move. That being said, most guys, when they walk through the door and I see them for the first time, I can tell roughly how many steps a day they do. You know, Big heavy set guy that's that's kind of fat. I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, yeah, you're you're not doing any more than about three, four thousand steps. Somebody that comes in that's in your kind of shape when you started, uh, you know, and and we knew this from from week one. You 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 tracked all your steps straight away because it's on your phone, right? You're doing it anyway. You don't even realize you're doing it. It's there. It's Open just that up. Awesome. Yeah, you don't need to do anything. But yeah, the average was about eight thousand. And I know that as soon as I see people, I'm like, yeah, okay. And it's not about being lazy. It's just that you have a skewed perception of what your activity level is. And we pushed it up as well. We pushed up by the end. I was doing like 12,000, which is great for these guys watching. Cause what I always say to them, get out every day, take a walk and try and do one to three approaches minimum. Right. So yeah. actually if they're working with you, it actually falls in line with what they fucking should be doing anyway. Instead of jumping on the tube or taking the bus, just walk that route. Um, yeah. And that's what you need to do. There's a question here, which is quite relevant. because I remember we talked about it in the last session. Um, so Scorn says, any thoughts on high reps for building muscle, JP? E.g. 20 to 40 reps. Okay, so I had a client ask me about something similar recently, and I'm, I'm going to cover this as, as best I can. In is that Clark Kent? Is that uh, the guy who looks like Clark Kent? <laughs> 
<laughs> that we both know. He loves uh, yes, red Baker jumper. Um, <laughs> so, so I got a question recently about reps, um, about um, six to eight, six to eight reps being uh, optimal for building muscle, and whether or not that you know we should be doing that. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna run through the basics of this. Your reps are dictated by the intensity. The intensity is obviously the load that you're using in order to, to do that exercise. So when we talk about, say for instance, 10 to 12 reps, that 10 to 12 reps is, is to try to achieve an effective time under tension of about 90 seconds. Um, in order to do that, you're probably going to be working at somewhere around 70% of your one rep max. So there isn't really a kind of a set rule on this um, in terms of, you know, you, you can change the tempo and you can still get 90 seconds of effective time on attention um, for, from less reps. But you would need to use an appropriate intensity to generate that, that same kind of um, intramuscular tension. Right. Well, if you're doing six to eight reps versus 10 to 12 reps, then you're pushing higher up the intensity levels. So you need to have enough loading available to you in order to do that. Now, as far as high reps for building muscle, um, yeah, so absolutely you can use high reps for building muscle. I think 20 to 40 is probably pushing it beyond the pale. Um, about the highest I would go for, for building muscles, probably going to be about 25 reps. Um, I mean, you probably you still can build muscle up to 40 reps, um, but these things exist on a continuum, right? So you've got down at the very low end, you, you can build muscle, um, but it will be kind of slowish and it'll be a specific type of, uh, of, of hypertrophy. So you'll get that more kind of myofibrillar um, fiber thickening hypertrophy. And then up at the other end where you're doing a lot more volume, a lot more reps. You're going to get more kind of sarcoplasmic um, or substrate hypertrophy where you're, you're just basically getting more and more fuel source and more um, sort of uh, more stored within the muscle. And that's that's also good because um, it, it increases the cross-sectional area of the muscle, technically, technically muscular. And, it, and it's got a lot of bodybuilders doing more kind of sarcoplasmic stuff that, that, that is... Um, building your muscles with glycogen. Personally, at the moment, I'm training in a 15 to 20 rep range for the majority of my movements. Um, and that's with challenging loads. I'm trying to use weights that a lot of people couldn't do six reps with. Um, that's my, right. my goal, just continue to work through. But here's the thing, like you could start off with a, with a heavy load where you can only get to six reps and you can continue pushing that until you get to say 20 reps and you're still making progress because you've just taken a weight that you couldn't do six reps with and you're now doing 20 reps with it. You don't think you're going to be bigger and stronger as a result? Of course you are. And you're going to have gone through all of the different kind of potential phases of that continuum. You know, you've gone through your kind of functional hypertrophy, your pure hypertrophy, kind of more muscular endurance style thing. You're going to get everything by doing that, right? I'm suggesting that that's how people should program for themselves, but it's not a bad idea to to just pick up a weight and push it to 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 this kind of ultimate kind of conclusion. 
Um, but yeah, you, you can you build muscle on, on twenty to forty reps? Yes, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as as optimal as you would like. Uh, but again, it comes down to what I was saying before: optimal versus realistic. If you've only got body weight exercises and maybe a few light bands, twenty to forty reps is probably going to be what you're stuck with. Um, if you can get yourself some higher intensity loading. Um, then that, that, that's going to be a bit more beneficial in terms of building muscle. Being able to progressively overload on a regular basis, either sneaking in one more rep or adding a small amount to the, to the load that you're lifting is going to be the biggest driver of putting on muscle mass. Simple as that. So, yeah, intramuscular tension, progressive overload, two biggest factors. But there's a lot that happens outside of those things. So you, 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 can, you, can, you can gain muscle anywhere on that continuum it's just it's just sort of how much are you going to gain at those points we've got a nice generalized compliment for you i like jp got a lot of respect for the scottish smart no nonsense (laughs) thank you australian john (laughs) from australia john so scorn gives you a thanks and then i guess the next point to make is um yeah we've got a few kind of linked together here but thinking did you cover this one already thinking that you know how much you need to drop yeah, yeah, we got that one. That was the we, we guys walking around giving me five pounds. Telling your co- telling your coach how you think they should proceed. <laughs> so this happens every now and again, where somebody will come on board, and they'll do a little bit of reading, or and it kind of comes into that that YouTube one, right? They will do a little bit of reading, or they'll they'll pick up a a YouTube channel that that sounds legit, and then they start trying to sort of tell you how to do things. And it, you know, my take on it is like, why have you hired me if you are all of a sudden an expert yourself? Like, so I get that we come across new information and we want to, to maybe challenge what we've already learned, and that's fine. Right. I like questions. I love questions. I, clients that send me questions are, are the best ones. They get the best results. But when when you pick up this new information as a as a client, you're usually reading something that I've read possibly 10 years ago um, and have gone through the process of learning better. So what we do is we, we learn and we do what we, do, do what we learned. And then we learn more. So now we do more or we do better. Um, and the problem is that there are still a lot of people out there, a lot of coaches that are going to information that is probably more basic than than you really necessarily need it's not it's not covering enough information so it gives you a little bit of information makes you think you know a ton about the subject and then you know you try and discuss it at a higher level with somebody that really understands the subject and you then have them have, have to spend quite a lot of time explaining why that's wrong and finding a way of doing it that doesn't just simply insult you. And that's the hardest part for it is, is not just turning around and saying, no, don't be fucking stupid. Um, you know, it's it's finding the, the, the way of keeping somebody interested in learning without having to put up with having to deal with the same bullshit questions over and over again. You know, so there's there's a ton of content on YouTube 
right? And there's a ton of content on social media. YouTube's actually probably a little bit better than places like Instagram and fucking TikTok and all that sort of shit, right? Um, TikTok for 14 year olds. Listen, listen, if, you, if you're a man and you're spending any time on TikTok, shocking. Well, you're in the Jimmy, I feel you're slightly Jimmy Savile-esque because it is literally inhabited by 12-year-olds <laughs> TikTok. Um, Pretty much. So yeah. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of fitness influencers that are not professional trainers. Um, and these fitness influencers will quote studies at you that they've cherry-picked to suit their biased opinion of things. And if you're just going to take that as gospel, then you're likely going to run into problems. So we need to be able to look at this information and think critically and think, all right, should I just check some references on this and find out if it's legit? You know, it, it's kind of like, listen to some gym bro. The biggest guy in the gym said I need to do 20 to 40 reps, right? So that's what I'm doing. The biggest guy in the gym's crushed his joints from years and years of heavy lifting, and he's doing 20 to 40 reps because he can't do 6 to 8 anymore without being in extreme pain. Does right. that still apply to you now? No, it doesn't. Shut the fuck up. Do what works. Yeah? Um, so, yeah, that's that's a fun one. Um, I, I get it occasionally, especially with people that, that, that send me clients. Um, or the, so people that refer me clients that, that then try and give me advice on how to coach that client. Like, yeah. Gee, thanks, bud. You know, I, I did get you in shape without having anybody tell me how to do it. So I'll probably be able to get this one in shape. <laughs> so back up. Do, do the referral, back up. That's bizarre. Um, the next two on the list, which kind of go hand in hand, overestimating how many calories you require and then conversely to that, underestimating how much activity may be required. These are two of the biggest ones. Like these are these are the um, the ones that everybody's getting wrong, right? So, uh, the, unfortunately, there's like kind of governmental advice out there that you know men should eat two thousand five hundred calories and women should eat two thousand calories, right? And that's just it's wrong. Not because the they didn't do the right sort of science science to to get to those numbers, but because it's based on a huge population, and they're taking the averages right. So they're looking at an average size male now, and an average size female with an average activity level, right? So they're they're assuming that we're not all sedentary and sitting behind desks. Um. Hang on, I'm just going to stop. Sutats is right. Every girl doing yoga and Lulumons on YouTube is an expert. I will, I will give you that. <laughs> Sutats, you go ahead and watch as much of that as you want. <laughs> He's uh, actually. We got we got a question here, JP. This is an interesting one for guys because I yeah, it's, I guess guys are, are terrible at guessing this sort of stuff. But what what body fat percentage are you training at at the moment? And have you ever got into the eight percent range? <laughs> On what calculation? On yeah. what measure? There's massive variation, isn't there? There's massive variations, and the simple fact of the matter is, this shit doesn't matter. Percentage body fat doesn't matter because it can be skewed in most circumstances by nutritional status. So, if I've got you 
ultra low carb for a few weeks and we check your body fat and then I give you a large refeed where you have a bunch of carbs, it'll look like you gained a ton of muscle overnight and lost a ton of fat because the percentage will just be skewed. Simple as that, right? The, and, and here's the thing. Most guys don't have a fucking clue what um, 10% actually looks like. Right? People, people hear this, this phrase, 10% is what you need to be at to get to see your abs, right? I got on stage in 2017, and at that point, it was the leanest I'd ever been in my life. On calipers, right, body fat calipers, I was measuring 2.8%, okay? On DEXA scan, which I had the same day I did the caliper reading, I measured 11.8%. So I wasn't, I wasn't even at 10%. And that's, right. that's, by the way, when you do a DEXA scan, you don't take into consideration anything from kind of the, the, the neck up because your brain's quite heavy and uh, quite heavily made up of fats. So if you do take your head into consideration, it, it brings you even higher. So that's just from the from the neck down, 11.8% uh, on DEXA. So it's not even 10%. I had veins everywhere. It was just like, I genuinely, when you're trying to get on stage for, for a show, the goal is to be as disgusting looking as possible to normal people in, in sort of one-to-one because when you get on stage under the stage lights, you're going to look great. Um, so it's, 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 not, it's not an attractive look. So when most people are like, I'm going to try and get 10%. Okay, one, good luck because it's really fucking hard. Um, and two, you, if you actually do make it to 10%, you're probably not going to be attracted to members of the opposite sex at that point. So, yeah, the, the body fat percentage thing, is, it's, a bit, it's, it's bollocks. It's that, more about moving down, isn't it, consistently? Because I remember when we measured me, it was something like 18%, but then we measured it again like five weeks later and it dropped to 14%. So it's the same degree of inaccuracy per se. Yeah, but yeah. as long as it's moving just, in the right direction, it's the case. You're just looking at using it as a measure of progress, not as right. a goal. If you're using it as a goal, then you're being you're being silly because that can be gained. Um, if you're using it using it as a measure of progress, then a different story. You know? um, so, in answer to your question, depending on the measurement used, yes. Um, uh, as it stands right now, I use the U.S. Navy calculation because it's one of the the ones that's one is the simplest, and two, it's it. It can be gamed based on body weight because it's just about circumference measurements. Um, right. So I use that one because it's, as far as I'm concerned, that way you can't game the system and it stays about as consistent as you can get. Um, and I float somewhere around about the 15% mark at the moment, bearing in mind that I'm just um, going through a maintenance phase before my next big calorie push. So I'll bring that down to closer to 10% on the US Navy calculation. Um, before I then push calories back up again. I'm not using it as a goal. I'll just use it as a measure of, of, of success and tracking. The uh, the things that I'm aiming at are actually uh, my waistline measurement. So bringing my waistline measurement down to a level where I'm happy with it. And that's going to that's gonna tend to coincide with around about the 10% mark. Um, and then I'll push calories back up again. And that percentage will just start to climb, creep back up again, because that's what happens. When you gain a muscle, you gain some fat. Simple as that. We should get a photo of you um, looking disgustingly lean, as you put it, as the thumbnail. 
when you're competing <laughs> I, on stage. I'll, I'll, I'll send you one. <laughs> Dig one out and put it as a thing. Send you one. I'll send you one where you can see the ligaments from my obliques. Would so, you agree with this? Would you agree with that statement, uh, JP, from life? Uh, the, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the gold standard. I don't know if it's the most accurate, um, but it's the gold standard. It's what everybody else is basing their uh, their, their calculations off of. Um, it, that, I mean, even that itself can be, there can be inconsistencies with the machine that's used, with the operator that's using the machine. So two different operators might get you a slightly different measures because they might position you slightly differently on the bed. Um, but it, it, it's the one that if I, if I wanted... If I wanted the most data, the most information, I'd get a DEXA scan because you get a ton of info. Um, they're, they're, they're kind of, from a geek point of view, and you know, I, I am a bit of a geek about this stuff. They're they're the most they're the most geeky and involve the most data. So that's why I quite like doing it once in a while. But I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't use it to track success or progress for myself on on in the short term. I'll use it. I'll use it more as a long term thing. Because you can't, you can't have a DEXA. I mean, you shouldn't have a DEXA um, inside sort of, I think it's about 12, 8 to 12 weeks is, is the time frame you've got to wait before you get your next one done. Because right. fact, it is an X-ray. And you, if you're X-raying yourself too much. Not good. Bad. Not good. Bad. Check out, um, guys watching, check out Life of Clive's channel. Good good friend of mine. Good, good pranky stuff. Also in very good shape, conversely, a very ripped dude. But yeah, going back to this original question, JP, or these these two kind of points, overestimating how many calories you require, underestimating how much activity may be required. What's your thoughts on that? Most guys think that they go to say you take them down to 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 kind of diet calories and let's make let's throw some numbers out that are just pulled out of thin air, right? So let's say you take a guy who's who's um maybe 70 kilos, 75 kilos, and he's a bit fat, um, and you put him on maybe 1,700 calories, right? Right. If you leave them to their own devices, that 1,700 calories will be um, a small amount of food, and they'll get hungry, they'll be low on energy because they're hungry, not because they're low on energy, not because there's not enough calories going in, but because they're now hungry and they're aware of it and they're perceiving themselves as low energy because of that. And then they get into this vicious cycle of, oh, life is fucking horrible. Um, most of those guys, 1,700 calories, if they eat the way I would like them to eat, the volume of food is going to mean that they spend their whole day thinking, I'm full. I don't need to eat anymore. All right? But they have this, you know, perception that, oh, I'm under 2,500 calories. I must be starving. You're not. You're fine. You're you're a giant walking battery. Think of it yourself that way, right? It's not just about food in versus food out. It's food in plus energy already in the system plus food out or energy out. So there's plenty of energy stored on you to keep you going. Plus the amount of food that's going in is not that low. Right. You know, just stop making it about food. Stop thinking about the food. Um, increase your volume of food for a given amount of calories. You'll be fine. Um, as far as activity goes, a yeah, lot you're of, underestimating how much activity maybe. Yeah, no, a lot of guys, a lot of guys will take. You know, if you ask them, if you just ask them straight out, do you have a sedentary lifestyle or are you kind of active? They'll be like, yeah, I'm pretty active. 
And then you look at how many steps a day they do, and it's like, okay, dude, you're you're not even hitting six thousand steps. You're sedentary. Like you're sitting on your ass most of the day. Like if you don't if you don't have a job where you're on your feet all day long, you're fucking sedentary. Even if you're say training five days a week, quite high intensity in the gym, you know, maybe an hour session, would you still class that guy as sedentary because of the amount of steps he's doing or lack of? Um, if you're training, like really training high intensity um, in the gym five days a week, like Dorian Yates high intensity, no. If you're going to the gym, because here's the thing as well, right? People, People's perception of how hard they're working is kind of skewed as well. So people, a lot of guys think they train really hard. And they don't. Um, and, and then they come and see me for a session. Yeah. And, I re- and I reduce all their loads and make them do things properly. And all of a sudden they're kind of, what the fuck happened? Yeah, like, I remember that feeling. Yeah, so, so a lot of guys think they train hard. So I, I, when when somebody says I train really hard in the gym, I'm like, okay, cool. We'll, we'll I'll be the judge of that. Um, and a lot of the time, when you get their training plans back from them, when they're filling in that data on the training plan, and you can see they're doing like three sets of twelve, and the rep range is ten and twelve, and it's like three sets of twelve, three sets of twelve. You aren't training fucking hard. Like you're training well within yourself. If you're getting to the top of the rep bracket with every exercise on every set. You're not fucking training hard. Mm. You're doing a lot of volume of work, but this isn't really challenging you. You need to increase the loading. You need to train harder. Um, so you know, a lot of guys will will skew. They'll, they'll have this skewed opinion of how much activity they do on a day to day basis with a non exercise activity, and they'll also think they train really hard in the gym because most of us think we're on the source things that we'll be walking, um, and we're not. Right. You know, I, I've, I've, on a regular basis, challenged myself by putting myself in situations where I'm going to go and train alongside people or be trained by people right. who I know are kind of hardcore and train really fucking hard so that you get an understanding of, right, how hard am I training in relation to that? I think I'm training really hard. You go and you do it, you're like, I am not training hard. And, and you know what today's just taught me is that I've got a lot more in the tank and I should be. I should be training harder. So each time I feel as if I need a little boost, I'll find something like that to, to do, or I'll just remind myself. You remember that? Well, it's, the old Gogging, it's the old Goggins rule, isn't it? He said that you're only really, when you think you're at capacity mentally and physically, you only hit like 40%. Yeah. And actually a lot, a lot of people have got fuckloads in the tank, but you just don't want to push yourself really, or you forget to, or you, yeah, you stay in your comfort zone, I guess. Look, in, in World War II, Japanese POWs were death marched and survived. People went to places like Auschwitz and survived. You know, the ones that survived were those that just gave up forty percent. Right? You know, it's it's simple. There's always more in the tank. There's always that little bit more there that you can do. Mm. I mean, sometimes you have muscular failure, and 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 that's fine. That's that's exactly what we're looking for, right? But the amount of times I'll get somebody that they'll, they'll they'll get to say eight reps. And they'll put the dumbbells down. You're like, what did you put the dumbbells down for? You just completed eight reps. You didn't fail. You didn't you didn't try nine and not get it. Why did you stop? And then you'll get two more reps out of them. And you're like, those were there the whole time. Like that was like you you're not pushing yourself. You're getting to the point where it's hard and your brain says, Oh, you should stop now. And you you listen to it. Instead of going, Fuck you, I'm getting <laughs> 
I use that kind of analogy, you know, when when in, in Glorious Bastards, when when Brad Pitt's doing the speech about a hundred scalps, and I want my scalps. You know, I'm like the same with my reps, right? And I, I look at myself in the mirror, and I'm like, okay, you got to do this today. So, no excuses. Let's get it fucking done. I like I it. My, like I want my reps. And I do the same with my clients. Um, so yeah. And you've got this thing now of like hang time, uh, which I quite enjoy. The day you just hang on the bar at the end of the end of each end of each uh, uh, workout. Yeah. How, how many how many seconds are you up to with the dead hang at the moment? Ninety six. And you're quite 96. heavy. Yeah, ninety six at, at ninety two kilos. Yeah, two hundred and five pounds. Um, it hurts. <laughs> Fucking yeah. hurts. It's still a little bit off the uh, world champ, isn't it? Aren't we? I mean, he was. Huh? It was still a little bit off the spindly world champ, who's got like double jointed, weird limp, twig limbs, and he's got like yeah. ten minutes or something like that. But it's <laughs> not going to happen. No. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get very bored before that happens. I just want to get to the point where I can do two minutes. Um, two minutes is solid. Yeah, and you know what? When I get to two minutes, I'll come up with something different. The whole point of it, the whole, the whole reason I'm doing it is not—it's not to improve my physique or improve my performance or make me stronger physically. It's—it's—it's it's, it's putting a putting a challenge in there that is, you know, it really fucking hurts, and there's no reason to do it, and that's why I'm doing it because the ability to suck up that that pain and suffering when there's no reason for it, when, when there's no psychological, you know, end goal means that when things like that present themselves in life, that's easy. Like you, yeah, can have, you know, test your mental fortitude. It's mental conditioning. That's it. I agree. We've got our final point here. The most important being a massive thunder cunt. Yeah. Don't be a massive thunder. Was <laughs> that, and that, that you can, that applies to pretty much everything in life. Right? Yeah, I would agree. Um, with guys who are looking to, it's been a very informative session. I'm sure there'll be lots of uh, grateful people out there dispelling the myths. But what does it look like if guys are working with you? Are, are they work? Are you working with people in person at the moment, or is it more tracking them online? How does it look like if they want to get in touch and what should they expect? I have literally zero availability for one to one at present so, so that's the, live training basically coming in yeah the so, so so live training coming to see me in person of zero bit availability um i've got a waiting list for that if you wanted to join the waiting list by all means um you can pay a deposit you can join the waiting list um but as far as uh, online coaching goes i have yeah i've got plenty of availability I, I'm, I'm i'm actively taking on new clients as we speak so um if you want to do it, you want to get in shape, use uh, online coaching uh, and just get at me. Drop into my uh, my website, hit that WhatsApp button. Um, you can even just go straight to the website and book a, a console call through the website. There's a, a button you can hit that takes you straight through to my Calendly and you can book yourself into my diary for a console call and we can have a chat, discuss your needs. And again, like I said, I talk about how you are. Um, what do you want to get to and how I can help you and how we marry the two things together. And just acid, acid house. Is that Peter? Acid that's, that's house. Really well. Is that Peter? Possibly. I don't know who Peter is. I only know people by their weird internet names. 
that's why I've got the Wolf of PT. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use my name anymore. I'm gonna I'm just gonna go by a super secret code name. With that beard, you can do what the fuck you want, quite frankly. Um, true, true. So yeah, just just to uh, just to, in case there's any guys who are slightly confused still. So JP will manage your diet for you via my fitness pal and adjust it as needs be, whether you're looking to bulk or, or cut. And also you're going to manage their training. So you're providing them a training plan. So you're doing both. You're doing the nutrition and the training and you're tracking them in a holistic way to get them to where they want to go as quickly as possible. And what you really specialize in is, is I guess, lean transformation. So if you go on JP's website, you can see I'm even on there, right? Coming in from Colombia, post Escobar sessions all over the show, looking like a fat cunt. And then within 12 weeks, I look fucking good. Let's um, be honest. Let's be honest. It wasn't all the way post Escobar sessions, was it? There were a few, <laughs> there were a few no. steps back into to, to Pablo to cuts in Pablo's world. Um, Pablo's world. Yeah, but it's interesting because when I came in, I was thinking, oh, I'm in all right shape. And then when you actually see yourself lean for the properly lean for the first time, I guess in your life, when you you've actually worked with somebody who knows what they're doing, you're like, fucking hell, I was really out of shape. But it took me getting into good shape, as you, you, and guys can click through and check. You know, we'll put a link below where you can see photos of me. But yeah, you you know, it was it was uh, yeah, my my flabber was somewhat ghasted, for want of a better phrase, because I was like, yeah, when, hell, when, I was you actually contrast, when you contrast the two images, you're like, shit, I was not in good shape. Crazy, like fucking crazy. Um, so yeah, like you said, what I do is like, I put together your nutrition and training plans, and then my, most of what I do is actually lifestyle and nutrition management. From that point, um, training plans I'll adjust as and when required. Uh, but most of what the most of where the magic happens is in the the nutrition and the lifestyle management. So helping to make everything fit together for you, um, so that it fits into your lifestyle, and just making sure that you're eating the right way to make progress. So as simple as that. But you're also looking at things like the supplements, the sleep habits, stress yeah. habits. Every yeah. it's a holistic approach, it's right? Holistic. It's the most healthy yeah. thing because you can't separate it. It needs yeah. to be a total approach. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like literally total war on body fat. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, absolute pleasure coming on. Any any final thoughts? Any concluding thoughts? No, I think we've covered quite a lot. I think we've covered quite a lot. Um, yeah, stay away from TikTok. Stay away from TikTok. Stay away from YouTube. Uh, YouTube experts in uh, in leggings and uh, check out JP stuff. All the links will be below, and we'll yeah send me over a thumbnail and put we'll put you up as uh, stage ready as the thumbnail to show what people what you actually look like when you get on stage. We'll, we'll do. I'll get it. Nice one. Pleasure, guys. We'll chat soon. And anything Thanks, you need, guys. all links below. Thank you very much to JP for coming.